to Architecting. I'm your host, Angela Mazzi. You made it. This is the landing pad for raw honesty about connecting your career with your purpose. I'm going to give you the tools you need to be an unapologetic advocate for yourself and others, because if you're here, you believe that the space we surround ourselves in matters and you're committed to project by project building a better world for all of us. If you're with me, let's get architecting. Hey, Bright Lights, are you ready to put your career on the fast track, have success your way, and stop the slog? Then you need to get yourself into my workshop that is happening on Monday, the 6th of February. Give me this hour and I will transform everything about your career. You will learn about unintended things you are doing that are sabotaging your success while they also make your life harder. Ain't nobody got time for any of that. Go to my website, architectingpodcast.com, sign yourself up for this free workshop and make sure you get in the best possible place to have the career of your dreams while living the life you want. Thank you for being here with me for this episode of Architecting. Today, we are going to talk about conscious language. So much of the time when we communicate, we're just trying to get a point across, but we're not thinking about how the words we're using, the specific choices of words can impact our listener. And I want to make sure that we understand that our listener is also ourselves. Often, when we think about conscious language, it's very tied to being confident, being sure, being inclusive, being generous with words as opposed to be dismissive. We'll start with ourselves. So a perfect example is when we say things that are self-deprecating, like, I can never get this right, or I'm so dumb, or I just never understand how this works. Be really careful of when you are using absolutes in your language, like never, always, can't, must, or should. Avoid using those words because... They're setting you up both in the minds of other people as well as within your own mind because we hear our words to struggle, to be less than. Think about the absolutes you use in your language and instead try to consciously choose something else like this is challenging right now, but I'm sure I can figure it out. Or a solution is going to present itself. Or I know I can get through this. Do you see the difference there in how you are being positive and confident versus being dismissive or negative? The next thing to think about is when we don't allow ourselves to embrace our greatness. 
This happens a lot of times when someone pays a compliment to us, and we just can't say thank you and let it go. Instead, we feel like we have to somehow deflect the comment or express unworthiness and gratitude at the same time. So we're kind of canceling out the compliment. For example, somebody says, "You did a really great job with that proposal," and you say, "Well, I don't know. I did it all at the last minute. I guess I got lucky." Or somebody compliments you on a presentation you did, and you say, "Well, I just, you know, recycled some old ideas and threw it together, or I didn't really put that much effort into it." Acknowledge what was being praised, and take your time to savor that moment in the spotlight. So, when somebody says you did a great job, say thank you. I think that I really brought some interesting insights, and I had fun doing it. I mean, be honest, of course, about whatever it is that you did, but talk about what you learned, what you discovered. Acknowledge that it took effort or skill, and be grateful that somebody saw that in the final end product. Start being able to receive compliments as opposed to deflecting compliments in your language. Be inclusive. Don't use words to describe. Rarity or the exception to the rule, but not the same descriptive words to describe what you think is the default option, because it comes across as very much like you're assuming that the default to you is the default to everyone else. For example, if you are talking about affordable housing, and you say low-income people tend to, and fill in the blank, when you do that, you're setting low-income people apart from people, and there's this implicit bias in your language that somehow the issues that someone is dealing with are not more universal, and that. Everyone else, of course, does not have these problems. You may not intend it that way, but it's very easy when you call out a group and you don't call out other groups that you're assuming that everybody else is the default normal, and only the group that you are calling out as your user group. Or a demographic that you're trying to address, or a population, is somehow the exception to normal. When you're doing research, when you're collecting information from people who are users, when you're working with a client, how you may be inadvertently making them the other by the way that you are describing things. It can also come across in language that is not decisive. Try to be aware of when you use filler words like um or uh or the mouth smacks. 
one thing that makes me crazy are people who qualify whatever they're going to say. So they start to tell you about something they're doing and stop mid-sentence to qualify the meaning of a certain word and end up going off on a tangent. Don't do that. Speak in short, direct sentences. Make sure that there is no wavering in what you mean and what you're saying. An example might be, I was trying to develop a way to study the movement of the sun in this project, and we had to do that because we were on a tricky side and, you know, and you go on and on and on. I think we're trying to use this tool to measure it, but of course I know there's other ones you could use as well. No. Say, we studied the movement of the sun, we used this tool, and this is what we found. If you want to further back that up by justifying why you used that particular analytic tool, go ahead and do that. But let the first sentence be direct, be confident. You can use language like, are showing this option, but we're not quite sold on whether or not that's going to meet your needs. What do you think? No. Based on what we heard you say, we've identified these issues that we've addressed through these design features. We would like your feedback on how well you think these are responding to your needs. So do you see the difference? Being confident doesn't mean that you are coming across as having all the answers or forcing a solution as the only right approach, but it is being clear about what you did and unwavering about why you did it. Doesn't mean it's the final solution, doesn't mean it can't change, but you're not being wishy-washy about what you actually did. I hear this so many times. You want to share an idea, and yet you don't sound like you believe in the idea you're sharing, which makes me wonder why you're bothering to say anything at all. How is anybody supposed to be persuaded or convinced or have a dialogue that isn't biased when you can't believe in what you're saying? So be very careful about using language like maybe or sort of or kind of or I tried to or I attempted this or that. There is no if, maybe, whatever. You did it. You explored something. You learned something. The end. This isn't about not embracing failure or not leaving room for an outcome to emerge. It's just simply using words that are decisive because action is decisive. Whatever you did, you did. You didn't sort of do it or kind of do it or maybe do it. You did it. So say it. Use fewer words. Use more powerful words. Use more descriptive words. Don't use words that are overly general. Use words that describe. Your language is 
just by default more powerful because you are expressing yourself as a person who takes action, not a person who dithers and is indecisive. Pay attention to vocal fry. And this is something many women are guilty of. Vocal fry is when you tend to have a upward lilt at the end of your sentence where it almost sounds like when you're making a statement, you're asking a question. It would sound something like this. We studied the population and we figured out that there was this trend Like, right, can you hear how I don't sound like I think I actually did these things. I sound like I'm questioning my own actions versus saying, we studied the population and discovered these trends. Exact same words, but not using the vocal fry makes you come across as more confident, more willing to be accountable and more decisive and straightforward, which subconsciously when you are a plain spoken direct talker people tend to find you more credible when you come across as indecisive you're also eroding people's confidence in your abilities and their ability to trust you be very aware of that because it can actually undermine your authority and your agency within a project when you are not confident when you speak. And the last thing I'm going to talk about with conscious language is language of pretension. And this happens so much in creative communities because we seem to feel this incredible pressure to convince people that we are very, 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 very smart. Do not use lingo and jargon and words that are multisyllabic, it comes across as pretentious and alienating rather than genuine speaking. Even if you have a great vocabulary, I guarantee you wouldn't talk to a friend the way that you would talk sometimes to your coworkers or your clients. Let's drop the pretension Let's use simpler, more basic words when we can. And let's be conscious of using jargon and lingo that the audience we're speaking to may not understand. Don't talk about orthogonality and perspectival views and fenestration and all these very technical terms that the average person doesn't understand. Instead, talk about how you want the window to help humanize the building by being at a relatable scale. So somebody feels like the window's just big enough for them to sit in. You know, this is an example, but you could see how that's something even a 10-year-old can relate to and understand. Because now you told me why the window is shaped and sized the way it is. And I can decide whether or not that's a valuable decision to have made. But I understand the decision, not just from an aesthetic point of view or a technical point of view, but an experiential point of 
view. In conscious language, we want to be relatable, understandable, accessible to our audience because, again, that is helping them to follow along with what we're saying, so we can have a more meaningful conversation and make better decisions about what is or isn't right for the project. But it's also building more of that trust. You're not talking over my head, so I believe that you actually care about me and the project, not your own ego. Conscious language is also about expressing empathy. So acknowledging that somebody may be struggling. You can say, I know it is very disappointing that the budget got cut and we're going to have to do more with less on the project. So let's come up with a list of priorities. You can acknowledge I know a lot of what I'm showing you, you're not used to seeing and processing, and I want to help you understand these drawings and what some of these symbols mean on them. Or I can see that you're frustrated because there is a conflict between what you think needs to happen in the department and what your manager is saying. When we acknowledge somebody else's emotions. We can help them move forward better than when we ignore them or in some way make them wrong for them. Most of us know better than to make somebody wrong, at least to their face, right? But we are making them wrong in our mind because they don't get it or they're fighting amongst themselves. That frustration that we're feeling at their frustration is coming through loud and clear to them. They don't feel respected. Maybe they feel stupid or judged, and that is not going to help us help them get the best result for the project. Another thing, though, that we can do sometimes because we feel awkward in an awkward situation is try to ignore the elephant in the room. And when you do that, you're minimizing somebody's feelings. You're invalidating them. And you're creating more alienation and more distance. So instead of building trust and a strong communication pipeline, by glossing over problems or ignoring or sidestepping issues, we're actually making a situation fester because we're making people feel that they cannot speak their truth to us because they don't really matter. And in the end, this project isn't going to really address the things that are important to them. Be very aware that you notice and respectfully and empathetically address feelings that people may be bringing with them to a conversation. Make sure that you give them a lot of psychological safety to tell you why they may not love what they're seeing or have doubts or be skeptical about an outcome because it is 
going to lead to a better solution in the end than if you just swept that under the rug or tried to steamroller over their concerns or overly tried to persuade them that there was a different, better solution than what they cared about. And even if what they are saying you know won't work, just by acknowledging it and exploring it with them, you can get valuable information about issues that you do need to be addressing, even if you're not literally doing what they're saying in that moment. I hope you found this helpful, and if you did, make sure that you go to my website, architectingpodcast.com, and sign up for my free workshop that is happening this Monday, February 6th. We're going to talk about issues just like this. It is called Getting Out of the Slog. We're going to really talk about taking back your time, earning more, doing more of what you love because you're positioning yourself to be as successful as possible. And there's so many little ways we torpedo our success, just like using unconscious language where we may be alienating people, eroding trust, not coming across as confident or sure, and then we wonder why we're not getting the opportunities that we want or we're not as successful as we could be. So there's so many unconscious ways just like that that you are standing in the way of your own success. And I don't want you to do that anymore, so make sure you go and sign up for this. It is free. It is one hour. You can take that hour for yourself. You deserve it. You will walk away with so much of value from that hour that you can start using the very next day at work, and you're going to have the best week of your professional life once you learn these things. I guarantee it. And it's free. So there's no good reason for you not to do it. The replay will be available for 48 hours after. So if you can't quite make your schedule align or you'll want to hear it again, that will be available to you. And I really hope that you will join me. Take care, everyone. As always, if you enjoyed what you are hearing, make sure more people know about this. Share it with a friend, like, rate, and review it on Apple Podcasts. And definitely let me know how this information is helping you share with me on social media. Take care and I will see you next time. Thank you for listening. You made it all the way to the end of the episode, which means you are committed to making yourself a priority so you can be empowered to do the work you were called to do in the world. How amazing is that? If you would like even more content just like this, please remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. I would so appreciate it if you left an honest review too. Hey, I want you to know I'm here for you beyond the boundaries of this podcast. You can follow me on social media at Architecting Podcast or visit architectingpodcast.com to download some great free resources. Take care, everyone, and stay inspired.